Welcome to the Leadership Network Podcast. Leadership Network is a community of multipliers who gather to collaborate, innovate, and pursue what God has next for His church. Our mission is to champion healthy growth that is capable of reproducing. Thank you for joining this conversation, and here's today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome. This is Mindy Caliguire, and we are at the very beginning of what we hope will be a very productive conversation. And yes, we do hope this will be a conversation about leadership, about spiritual formation, about your journey, about mine, and about the journey of other leaders like yourself who are seeking to live and lead from what we call a healthy soul. So there'll be ways for you to email me, uh, get in touch through our website, soulcare.com, or email me at connect at soulcare.com so that we can hear what topics are important to you, what questions you have as you seek to live and lead from a place of soul health. But we really are delighted to... uh, to sponsor a conversation. Uh, I think myself, speaking for myself, my team, lots of friends uh, around the world, really, we all agree that this is the most urgent topic facing leaders globally right now, Uh, probably the most pressing. Certainly, we can sweep it under the rug, uh, and many have for a long time. Uh, But it's becoming less and less possible to do that. And that's why we're tucking this topic under the name soul care now. There's urgency to this topic. There's an immediacy to this topic. And there's availability on this topic right here, right now. You don't need a five-year PhD or a six-month sabbatical. By all means, (laughs) do those if you can. But soul care is available to you right here, right now, exactly where and as you are. And we think it matters more than ever. So uh, what we're going to be doing through this podcast uh, first season on leadership and the soul is really to look at this intersection. I have often said that I feel like I my sense of calling personally sits at this intersection between spiritual formation and leadership. So you might think that that's not a really <laughs> a logical combination of topics. Uh, and in fact, it is a, a really unusual intersection that I find myself at. It's my own journey uh, from a season of great soul depletion uh, towards healing and then helping others on their healing journey. Uh, So it it does very much come out of my own story, but it also seems to be one of the most important topics that's facing uh, leaders everywhere. And so what do I mean by spiritual formation? I'm really talking about who we are becoming. And what do I mean by leadership? I just mean very broadly Those of us who are in any either formal or informal way giving guidance or inspiration or direction to others as uh, as we are parenting or leading organizations or any different kind of leadership, all of it matters, all of it's about influence. But it's a pretty interesting thing when you try to combine that who am I becoming question of spiritual formation with the leadership question of how am I influencing and and showing up in the world in ways that bring contribution and benefit to others around me. Um, I'll tell you a story. When I was uh, serving in spiritual formation as a as a job role at a large church, um, I had an opportunity to have a guest one day who came in and said, Mindy, I need to talk to you about what is going on with my team. I need a little help and some guidance. And so I, I told him I wasn't sure I can help him, but I'd be happy to listen to his story and see see what we could learn together. And, and here's what happened. He's, he sat in the chair in my office and just said, 
I'm a senior pastor of a, a relatively large church. I believe it was up in Canada, and he was visiting the U.S. for a conference or something and, and had the chance to sit down in my office. And he conveyed the fact that uh, he had a youth pastor who had um, on his team who had come to him a year or so prior and said, look, we really need to be caring for the well-being of our staff, my my team as the youth pastor and the, some of the key volunteers. And so I'd like to focus this next ministry season on the spiritual formation of the team. And so the pastor was like, wow, I've never heard of that. That sounds really important. Yes, you should go do that. And as the, as the year went on, he reported back to me in that day in my office that his observation was a, a year later, it was the same group of people sitting uh, with that same leader, and effectively nothing had really changed in the ministry. Uh, but and he 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 wasn't he wasn't being snarky and saying this, but I've said it several times since. But they you know the the same group of people these leaders had a candle that they they lit this candle and they they wanted to attend to the well being of their souls and to have their leadership come out of that place. And uh, and he said, Mindy, I, I just. He goes, I don't want to sound like I'm just super driven and only caring about outcomes, but is that is that right that a year later, there's no new volunteers that have been trained up, there's no new leaders who've been commissioned, there's no new students have come to faith, there's no new groups that have been started. And he really, it was quite sincere in his, in his question. And so I think it was at that point when he told me that story that I, I started using this phrase that I feel like my sense of calling at this intersection of spiritual formation causes me to be a bit of a translator between what we'll call the, the jet fuel drinkers and the candle lighters, right? The jet fuel drinkers are the hair on fire, leap tall buildings in a single bound, leaders, maybe like you today, who are, they're very high capacity, they're very keyed in on being about what God's purposes are in our day, and they will live and give sacrificially toward that end, And uh, but sometimes not realizing that they themselves are burning out in the midst of their endeavors. Uh, but the other end of this continuum, and I'm sort of air drawing as if you could see my hands, <laughs> the other end is the candle lighters, the, the, the spiritual formation types, right? The more contemplative ones, the ones who are also very aware of what is the spirit doing, but in a more contemplative way. They're more about stillness. They're about waiting for the discernment that God would maybe indicate the next direction they would take, et cetera, et cetera. And so, so often these candle lighters and the jet fuel drinkers, they kind of don't really understand each other. They don't speak each other's language. And, and that's what that pastor was coming in and saying to me that day was, Mindy, I, I became convinced that yes, we should be tending to our inner life. We should be caring for the souls of leaders. But I have this tension in me because it's like, if we did that, you know, and, and I couldn't answer for him. I, I don't know that God didn't really want for that youth pastor to be with those same people having the same conversations a year on. Maybe that was what the Lord was doing. But I also am sympathetic to the stewardship question that this pastor was asking. You know, I'm paying this guy's salary. We're trying to build into the lives of our youth. And was this the most strategic thing for 
me and us to do. And and so, again, I'm not saying <laughs> what was or wasn't right for that youth pastor to do. I'm more saying this is the tension that I find with many leaders and people who are involved in these spaces is how do I know uh, if my soul is doing well? How do I know if my team is doing well? What should we be thinking about if we're wanting to serve into the health of our team? Is that strategic? Is it not? How do we know when enough is enough? These are the kinds of questions that I find are often at play when you speak to this intersection of leadership and formation. But again, pressing in on why I think it's so important. Uh, again, I mentioned it comes from a little bit of my own story. My uh, husband and I, many years ago, were church planting in Boston, Massachusetts, and loved that city, loved the ministry. But I did what I had only known how to do in other areas of endeavor with uh, the marketplace work I had done and ministry work, which was to just keep pushing harder and harder and harder. Um, without any real concern for my interior life, for the well-being of my soul. I don't even know that I would have had much imagination for what that meant. I remember specifically looking in the mirror at times uh, and and having this question of like, you know, who, who do you know who you are anymore? Like, do you know what what is motivating you? These kinds of questions would often be what I would think about, but I would ignore because why does that matter? Uh, the the important thing is to get on with the business of doing God's work and serving his people. And maybe you can relate to that today. Maybe you're somebody who maybe you looked in the mirror this morning and said, am I losing myself in the midst of this? Uh, sadly, it's entirely possible to do. You might have been wondering uh, today, did I lose my sense of uh, balance? Have I lost my first love around uh, the purposes of serving God and His people? Have I, have, I, have I lost something in the midst of all that I'm trying to do? And, you know, of course, that's Jesus's most famous, I think, rhetorical question of how could you possibly benefit if you gain the whole world but forfeit your soul? We don't usually think of that question as something that relates to those of us in leadership. And particularly not, ironically not, in ministry leadership. That, that, of course, we would say it could not benefit if you gained the whole world or built a big ministry and somehow forfeited the well-being of your soul. There's so much more that could be said about that, but this is why I care about this topic so much. As I look around me and have interacted with leaders all over the world and quite a bit here in the U.S. where I am, um, my diagnosis is that by and large, most people would almost expect that once you've been in vocational ministry for as little as maybe two years, uh, almost always, you're going to be encountering burnout. And it's, it is almost predictable. And now I think we have a, a normal, a level set of normal that is just busy, overdrawn, overrun, exhausted, and somehow we think that we're going to be able to give other people this great message of life in relationship with God and with Jesus, but ourselves, we ourselves um, are dying. Uh, one friend of mine compared it to a bunch of anorexic people serving 
at the largest, most uh, beneficial restaurant in the world. And you can imagine how sad it would be to see a team of people who were starving themselves so that they could feed others. All right, so... When that pastor was in my office, that introduced me to the intersection of candle lighters and jet fuel drinkers. And maybe you find yourself on one end of that continuum or another. Sometimes those two sides can kind of think of themselves as opposites and maybe dispute or argue uh, about which is more important. And I don't think that's the relevant question. I think the most important idea is the intersection, the integration between a deep, abiding, slow, if you will, inner life, a rested life in God, and the very real, sometimes very demanding contributions we're invited to um, to support and to and to contribute into the world. So I care a ton about this because, first of all, I have found this way of life myself and have helped many, many other people find this way of life as well. And we're all here to report that it can be done. It can be uh, that you can lead uh, some significant contributions in our world and do it from a place of soul health. Great things can be done and will be done, um, but not in your own strength. And finding a way that allows you to stay rooted in God, connected to God in real time, not just what you believe about God, that is what's uh, at stake here. So there's much more, again, that can be said about the topic of soul care and ways to care for your soul and stuff. But this series, where we're focused uh, right now, is about this relationship between the candlelighters and the jet fuel drinkers. What have we learned about leadership and the care of the soul, and how might that help you in your uh, in your life? So, what I see in the world around is a lot of uh, <laughs> very very tired leaders, a lot of people who you know, are weary in doing good, not because they've left the faith or are faltering in their devotion to the person of Jesus, or even in their commitment to their uh, work, their vocation, their calling. Instead, uh, frankly, right in the middle of it, in the midst of their um, really passionate devotion, in the midst of their very passionate commitment to their work, they have not found a way to care for themselves holistically and still figure out how to, so to speak, get the job done. And so we have to think about these integration points uh, differently. Uh, or I think we're in a bit of a challenge um, that is just not strategic. I, I think so many people, leaders, are living in ways that uh, are are say, basically strip mining their own souls. You know, we we look around us and see uh, from an environmental standpoint the the horrors of the damage done to the environment for the sake of extracting resources. And yet, sometimes I think we sort of strip mine the soul. We we extract, we extract, we take, we take more and more, and uh, and we don't have an eye to or an imagination for sustainability. And, and that's the goal. What is the integration? Not 
either or? What is the integration proposition for living from a healthy soul and making the contributions in the world that God would have us to make? So that's what we're going to be looking at. And the way I wanted to frame this over these next few sessions is as follows. Um, one of the things that I did when I stepped vocationally from uh, a series of, of other sort of executive level roles in businesses and ministries into or back into soul care full time, I took a, you know, a learning from the last place I worked, uh, where the CEO had created what he called a listening tour and uh, spent quite a bit of time listening deeply to the people he would one day hope to serve to understand what were their needs. It was a brilliant idea. I understand that this is a, a common practice when a new CEO is named and they go around, say, a large multinational organization and they do interviews to understand who is the team that they are now being asked to lead. So this listening tour concept isn't certainly new and it has many different and broad applications. But I learned how valuable it was to just pause before you run into the world and try to do a good thing and actually listen. So uh, I saw the benefit of that in our team. And so when I began moving towards returning to soul care full time, uh, which really has never happened in the 20 some years that I've been working with these themes, I thought, oh, let's let's do a listening tour. I Now I'm connected to so many leaders all over the world and have great and very uh, precious relationships with leaders in a lot of places. And I thought, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we spend some time listening? What are the themes that we're hearing, especially as it relates to this intersection of uh, our soul and our work. What is important right now at the intersection where the candle lighters and the jet fuel drinkers need to find some common ground? And so I'll be sharing with you some of what we learned uh, in the process of asking those questions. And that's really where we're headed together. So what do I hope you'll get out of this uh, time listening? I hope that you at a very high level have a new imagination for why your soul's health matters and why the health of those souls that work with you and around you, perhaps for you, why do those things even matter? Should we even be thinking about it? That's one area of hope is that you would begin to have a new imagination of why the health of the soul matters. Um, but then secondly, I'm hopeful that from our findings on this listening tour, you may find that these uh, have application in your own context. And so along the way, you'll get to hear from some of my network that will be bringing into these conversations to reinforce or storytell a little bit about their journeys. And then most of all, my hope is that this isn't only about how you're imagining these new things and then hearing stories uh, of others, but that this begins to shape choices that you are actually making. And then the fruit of those choices would be that your own soul and your team's souls are thriving increasingly and you're finding new energies, new creativity, new inspiration to address the very important calling uh, that God has over your life. So that's our hope. 
And on to our findings. Uh, so we interviewed, I don't know how many, maybe a dozen, maybe more leaders that were in uh, vocational ministry. Some were pastors and leaders in, in churches or other like global NGOs. Some were business leaders who carry a concern about the spiritual vitality of their people. They were not like a Christian business. They were just Christians who have leadership roles in businesses. And so I, I, we began to identify some themes, but literally we like spread out on a table all of the different notes that we had taken during these many calls. And there were really four main takeaways, four big learnings that we encountered through this. And that's what I'd love to share with you at a high level. And then each of these will become a subsequent session as we are building out this uh, process. Yeah. So at a high level, the findings that we found, um, how's that? The findings that we found, they were these four things. The first is this, um, conclusively, resoundingly, we are at an inflection point. This is a big idea, guys. We are at an inflection point, and I, that's very encouraging to me. Uh, there are times before when I felt like uh, nobody really cared to think about this topic. Nobody really was concerned about this topic. Uh, that is changing. We are at an inflection point. And not only is it a concern about this topic, I believe the the nature of this inflection point that we heard from people and that I, I'm thrilled to, to observe is that there is a growing and deep refusal to tolerate toxic leadership behaviors any longer. And so, of course, that's sort of the result of deep soul unhealth among leaders is you end up with toxic leadership cultures and behaviors. And what we're hearing is that even if people don't know another way, they maybe haven't really encountered healthy leadership, um, there is a deep unwillingness to remain in this current path. And I think that is actually a good thing. I think it's a good, it's a good humility to say, I may not know another way, but I am certain that I do not want to, uh, to continue with this. There are, you know, ample headlines over the past number of years and whole podcast series about toxic leadership and what abuse of power has done, but sort of the, the new emerging energy that I sense in the wake of that. And some of these headlines are as recent as last week. Another seminary president was asked to step aside. Not a moral failure, not financial indiscretions. It was because of bullying and an abuse of power, or at least that's the allegation. So a new president has stepped in and it doesn't almost matter which one it was. These things are becoming more prevalent. And what we see is a deep refusal to, to just tolerate this kind of toxic leadership. And I think this is a cultural phenomenon at large, and that it is certainly something we're experiencing in the church or in Christian leadership contexts. So, learning more, we are at an inflection point. You'll hear more about that in the days to come. Second uh, learning from our listening tour is that the future is about integration. And this is such a, a big and welcome concept. You know, I've already mentioned the integration between spiritual formation and leadership, but more broadly, the integration that we're hearing from people and that I, I believe is vital and, and frankly emanates from a biblical concept of what even is the soul is that the integration is that it's no longer like okay to have a 
terrible family life with your kids or your spouse and and be applauded for a fabulous ministry or leadership role. The we're starting as a people to say maybe that's not okay. We care that people are showing up as whole people. Um, similarly, around the mental health and physical health, it's the 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 concept of integration is vital. More and more conversations are happening about how one's physical health impacts one's mental health. Those are not two separate things. And those two things are not separate from the entire personhood. And so we we just I think for many years, Western culture, a lot of reasons, we we focused on differentiating. Well, what's the difference between mind and body and soul and spirit? And I think the future is less interested in what's different between them and more interested in the power and relationship between them and the power when they're working well together. So this future is about integration. There's a deep refusal. We're at an inflection point and the future is about integration. Now, a third finding for us in this sort of jet fuel drinker and candlelighter dilemma is that this topic spiritual formation, soul care, whatever you want to call it, is mystical. <laughs> and people are skeptical, and it's confusing. So, that's uh, that's an important thing for us uh, to consider as we move out in ways that we hope will be redemptive and restorative into our spaces. And we, as we, we must be careful how we're speaking about these things. Spiritual formation in general is not known, or if it is known, it has been experienced as legalism, not life. And so, new language may be important in how we talk and think about these things, uh, especially in how we talk about and communicate them, because the current state is very much marked by confusion and suspicion. So, these ideas about spiritual formation and soul care are largely unclear, and sometimes uh, even suspicious. So that's just a heads up for us to be aware of and sensitive to. That doesn't mean we keep pushing harder and harder to say a thing the way we want to say it. It means we become alert to and responsive to the people we're trying to communicate with and make sure we understand the context that we're communicating into. That may be a basic communication 101, but it is a very clear observation that we had in our listening tour in finding out what what is going on with people who are who are seeking to live uh, healthier lives themselves and leading others toward that end in the midst of their leadership. All right, so observation number four, uh, the how matters more than ever. That is, that's how we phrased it. The how matters more than ever. And I'll just say it very briefly. There is no time for or favor over an elitist attitude of those who get it and those who don't. I believe for us to move forward on this topic, we adopt a servant attitude, we go where invited, and we bring blessing, not condemnation. Um, sadly, there have been instances where that wasn't how efforts to lead for spiritual formation were received. And here's the one thing I will acknowledge um, uh, with respect to 
uh, people who I'll, I'll call them more the, the cage rattlers, um, who are less interested in appeasing uh, different viewpoints. And some people are wired to be prophets, and they are the ones that are the cage rattlers. They are going to throw some hand grenades over the wall and say, this is not as it should be, and this needs to change, and this needs to change. And they're, they're less concerned with how that's received as a message. And I think God definitely calls some people to be that kind of cage-rattling prophet. Um, but the point in this fourth observation is not to critique uh, those who have had that prophetic voice, which I think is vital, but the moment that it feels like we're in right now, in order to help organizations come to a place where new norms could be achieved around health and a move away from toxicity and into healthy cultures of um, of goodness, of tov, as Scott McKnight would say, those, those who are called into that endeavor, which I would say ourselves, our team, probably many other organizations, I hope, and leaders within organizations, it's the how of our work matters more than ever. And so, the voice we adopt, the sensitivity we bring, I think in this season, that matters a ton. So, as you know, we're sort of wrapping up here, I'm just curious for you, as you hear me say those four things, which one has been most significant perhaps to you? And which one do you think is most significant to an organization that's close to you? So, I'll review them again. So, the first is we are at an inflection point. Do you feel that in your own spirit? Are you on the cusp of a healthy deep refusal to go back to the drivenness and burnout. I hope so. But do you also observe that in an organization that you're close to? What does that inflection look like for you? What evidence do you have of that? It might be good to sort of note those, write those down in a journal of some kind. And then secondly, this question about the future being about integration. Uh, it's work and rest, body and spirit. We're discovering a way of life in the midst of our responsibilities, not separate from our responsibilities. Uh, how do you see that playing out in your own life? Have you begun having a new perspective of how your, say, physical health impacts your spiritual health? Have you ever thought about that? Have you seen how your financial well-being impacts your spiritual well-being or vice versa? Those are the kinds of questions that this would, um, how this would surface for you as an individual. But then how do you sense this coming forward as an organizational leader? Where do you see opportunity where the future is about integration? Are there ways to elevate in your organization, this vision of integration about flourishing, the biblical kind of understanding of human flourishing. So anyway, just a reflection point for you. Where do you see opportunities for a more integrated idea for the health of your organization? All right. Number three, the current state is marked by confusion or suspicion. Again, let's start individually. Is that something that you have faced? Have you been like, I don't, I don't get it. Why do people think it's important to care for their souls or spiritual formation? That sounds a little weird. Um, what, what do people really mean by that? Isn't that Catholic? You know, these are some of the questions that have been raised uh, over the years and maybe they resonate for you personally. So I would 
challenge you to give voice to those questions, write them down, maybe talk to a friend about them, reach out to us, as I said, through our website or an email. What are the questions? What about this topic is confusing? Or even what would make you feel suspicious of this topic? Let's let's give those some uh, breathing space. Let's talk about those things. So, and then within your organization, where do you sense this? You know, it could be as simple as nobody shows up for a chapel if they feel like it's going to be about spiritual formation. Or in our, I've talked to some organizations where it had just taken on a very legalistic edge and anything that related to spiritual formation or soul care just felt like a pile on of more more doing, more tasks, uh, just not, not the right vibe. So, um, what kind of confusion or suspicion have you sensed in your organization, even outright resistance? And then uh, observation four, uh, the how matters more than ever is the observation. So, the question would be um, maybe two-sided for you individually. Have you been on the receiving end of somebody who was trying to make this a priority and it just didn't come off right? And how did that leave you feeling about the overall topic? And then possibly more personally, um, do you feel like you've ever been the one who was bringing a message that perhaps wasn't as geared toward your listeners as might have been helpful to them? I hope that makes sense as a question. All right. And then secondly, as it relates to your organization, um, it, yeah, what is your history with this topic? Uh, some uh, one friend of mine talks about doing an autopsy, uh, a misery autopsy. Is there Does something need to have a misery autopsy on something you tried to do as an organization and it just flopped and why and what can you learn from that? And, and did it fail in some way because of the how? Um, not maybe the what, but the how. Uh, and then as you think about, you know, not looking backwards, but looking forwards uh, to what could be in the future, what sensitivities does your organization have to this topic? And how would being alert to those sensitivities perhaps inform what you do, what you don't do, what words you use to describe things, that kind of thing. So those are some questions that I have for you. And the last thing I would love to leave you with is a poem that was shared with me when we first did this listening tour. And it's just from a Celtic poet named John O'Donohue, and it's called The Interim Time. You are in this time of interim where everything seems withheld. The path you took to get here was washed out. The way forward is still concealed from you. The old is not old enough to have died away. The new is still too young to be born. You cannot lay claim to anything. In this place of dusk, your eyes are blurred and there is no mirror. Everyone has lost sight of your heart and you can see nowhere to put your trust. You know you have to make your own way through as far as you can. Hold your confidence. Do not allow your confusion to squander this call which is loosening your roots in false ground that you might come free from all you have outgrown. What is being transfigured here is your mind, and it is difficult and slow to become new. The more faithfully you can endure here, the more refined your heart will become. 
for your arrival in the new dawn. So friends, thanks for joining us. We're all about soul care now, and we hope you'll sign up to hear more and reach out at connect at soulcare.com with any questions you have. Godspeed, friends. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Network podcast and joining the conversation for what is next for the church and its leaders. We look forward to connecting with you as we bring our questions, contribute our wisdom, and pursue what is next. Visit leadnet.org for more resources, information about leader cohorts, and more. That is leadnet.org.